while they're off for their lesson, it's time for ours over here. Uh, so let me read to you the scripture for this morning. We're in Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. And here is what it says. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What a story. <laughs> what a story. Uh, you know, Zacchaeus has a great kid song, if you've never heard that one. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Right? You guys know that one? Yeah? Some of you guys know that one? <laughs> no way. I'm keeping the singing voice in the bottle. Uh, <laughs> so this morning we're talking about Zacchaeus, but before we get to Zacchaeus, uh, I want to remind you, this, uh, this series we're in is all about discipleship, taking steps toward Jesus. And so last week, we talked about the first step toward Jesus. And there were really, there were three key words, right? There were three key words, and it came straight from the scripture in our first step toward Jesus. Do you remember what those three words were? Oh my goodness, it's only been a week, guys. It's only been a week. What were the three words? Come and see, right? Come and see, Okay. Come and see. You remember the story? The disciples were coming to Jesus, and then they're like, man, you got to come and see, <laughs> right? Come and see. So we talked about how important it is to have an encounter with Jesus, to have a moment where you come and you meet Jesus and you find out that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. He's, he's, he's just as powerful as he said he was. He's just as able as he said he was. So what comes next, right? What happens after we have an encounter with Jesus, after we have that come and see moment? That's where we're at this morning. Step number two toward Jesus. And if you remember, we're calling the lessons this swim lessons because we're talking about getting into the deeper waters of faith. And so last week we were t is really about life on the beach, right? I haven't actually t stepped into the waters of faith yet, but I'm in the vicinity, right? So I'm going to come and see what it's all about. This week, we're looking at life on the shoreline. What is it like to be right on the cusp, right on the cusp of a, of a relationship with Jesus, right on the edge? And so the person who exemplifies this really well for us is Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus is a wee little man. <laughs> he is, uh, it tells us uh, three things we know about Zacchaeus. First of all, it says he was a tax collector. Not only was he a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. Okay, now what you need to know is that uh, in Scripture, uh, the Bible is not opposed to the IRS, okay? This is not like one of those things where, you know, God's like, man, down with those guys, right? The problem with tax collectors in Jesus' time is that they would take a little off the top, right? So if the tax was X amount, they'd charge that plus a little bit. You know, they, were, they had to make some for themselves. So tax collectors were sort of notorious for being cheaters. They were notorious for taking advantage of people. 
And so Zacchaeus, being a tax collector, not only a tax collector, a chief tax collector, would have been seen in his environment, in his, in his community, as essentially one of the chief sinners. He was one of the worst of the worst. So that's number one. We know he's a tax collector, which means in the eyes of the Jews, he is a terrible person, right? He is a sinner on sinner. The second thing we know is, and probably thanks to the fact that he's a chief tax collector, he's also wealthy, right? So he's cheating people and he is making bank on it. <laughs> he is wealthy. But the third thing we know about Zacchaeus is that he is very short. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because sometimes the Bible brings out these little moments where like you remember that it was written by a human, right? Because they're like, yeah, that's Zacchaeus guy. He was really cool. He was short though. My goodness. And you have these little moments. For example, in the Gospel of John, when they talk about the disciples going to the tomb of Jesus, it's hilarious. When you read this account, seriously, go read it this week. When, they, when they're going to the tomb to go see if Jesus is still there, it makes the comment that both the disciples, Peter and another disciple, were running, right? And Peter, Peter lost that race, right? It says the other disciple got there first, <laughs> right? You have these little moments where the disciples' like, own feelings come out a little bit, you're right? It's like a little bit of pride for John. He's like, Peter was there, but I got there first, right? And so here, they're like, Zacchaeus, he's a tax collector, he's wealthy, and he's pretty short. <laughs> and he's so short, he's so short, that when he gets to where Jesus is at, right? Because it says that he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Remember the come and see, right? He's having this come and see moment with Jesus. So he says, well, I'm going to come and see Jesus, just like Pastor Chad told me to do, right? I'm going to come and see Jesus, but he can't see. He physically can't see Jesus because he's so short, right? Anybody else have that problem, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I'm not going to name any names, Bob. <coughs> uh, <laughs> so Zacchaeus is very short. And so Zacchaeus has what we would call an inconvenience, right? He wants to see Jesus, but there's a minor inconvenience. He can't see. Now, Without going too deep into this rabbit hole, because this is probably a message for another day, right? How do we respond when we're inconvenienced in our pursuit of Jesus, right? How do we respond? Usually when we're inconvenienced, we just decide to give up, right? We say, well, the church isn't playing that song I like, so I'm not going to go there, <laughs> right? Or, or maybe it's, man, uh, and here's what I think about it. I think about it as they put, they put this new disc golf course in at Mullet Park just down the road from us, a little nine-hole course, but it's, there's no parking at Mullet, so you have to park on the backside of Shanklin, and it's an eight-minute walk from the backside of Shanklin to the course start. And there are numerous people on, on the little page for the course that have said, well, I don't want to play it because i got to walk eight minutes to get to it, right? And I'm like, you're playing disc golf. <laughs> you're about to go walk for 40 minutes. What is <laughs> Right? Now, to be fair, I can say that because I'm one of those people. I'm like, I don't want to walk eight minutes to get back there. Like, that's why I put one in my backyard, right? <laughs> so what happens is we have these minor inconveniences, right? In our, in our journey with Jesus, we come up on this minor inconvenience, something that doesn't quite live up to what we hoped. So we just stop, right? Oh man, that pastor said something that really convicted me last week and I feel bad about it, so I'm not going to go back, Right? When we come up against these inconveniences, things that make it a little bit more difficult, what we tend to do is just give up. But Zacchaeus does the exact opposite. Zacchaeus says, fine, if I can't see Jesus from the back, I'm going to go climb that tree so that I can see Jesus. 
I'm going to go climb a tree so that I can see Jesus. And so he does. He goes and he climbs the tree. And he, he climbs up in the tree and Jesus sees him when he gets there. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. And I love this. I must stay at your house today. <laughs> see, most of us, we think of Jesus. When we think of that come and see moment with Jesus, we think of like the miracles, right? We think that the greatest thing Jesus does when he meets people is that he, he forgives their sins, he heals their ailments, he casts out demons, you know, you name it. We think of the big stuff that Jesus does. But one of the coolest things that Jesus does in Scripture, one of the coolest things he does is that line, I must stay at your house today. See, Zacchaeus, being a chief tax collector, probably did not have a lot of friends. <laughs> Right? And especially in the religious circle, the people who are going to introduce him to salvation, introduce him to Yahweh, those people, they don't want anything to do with him. Because he's a cheat, and he's a liar, and he's taking advantage of people. And yet Jesus, when he sees Zacchaeus, when, when Zacchaeus has that come and see moment, the next thing that happens is Jesus wants to come to his house. And you know it's a big deal because it says that all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Right? How dare Jesus go have dinner with that guy? Right? It was sort of expected that if, if he's the Messiah, if he's God, he wants to have dinner with like the best of the best people. <laughs> the people who are holy, the people who got their lives figured out. And instead, Jesus is having dinner with a chief tax collector. <laughs> so Zacchaeus, he gets his come and see moment. He gets to have an encounter with Jesus. But his encounter continues after the initial encounter. And this, for most of us, is the hardest step we make in our faith. Because what Zacchaeus does in here is he opens up his home to Jesus. Now, Zacchaeus did not plan on Jesus coming for dinner, right? He didn't get to have the moment that, that we have in our house, right? Where I go home and I tell my wife, hey, such and such is coming for dinner. And then there's like the mad rush for the next hour and a half to get the house clean, right? Because I have two small children. There are toys everywhere, right? Three, well, two that are actually playing with their toys right now. The third doesn't really drag hers out <laughs> yet. Six more months, she'll be there. So we have this mad dash. Zacchaeus doesn't get that. What Zacchaeus gets instead is Jesus comes in in that moment. And Zacchaeus didn't care. Why? Because Jesus was there. Right? Because Jesus was coming for dinner. Right? Now, if, if I told most of you, hey, Jesus wants to come to your house for dinner tonight, you're going to be in the same boat as that. You're running home like, I got to get everything in order. <laughs> right? I got to get everything in order. Jesus is coming. What? But Zacchaeus... He didn't even do any of that. They literally just walked to his house from there. He's like, hey, I'm coming over for dinner. He's like, great, here we go. So here's, here's, here's where I want to zone you in on the disciple piece of this, okay? Here's where I want to zone you in here. When Jesus moves in, right, and, and one of my favorite verses is uh, in John 1. It talks about, I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard the verse where it says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It's talking about God coming to earth as a man, right? But my favorite translation of that is from the message because it says that uh, he moved into the neighborhood, <laughs> right? God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And I love that because Jesus literally wants to move into our neighborhood. 
He wants to move into our homes. He wants to, to move into our lives. Jesus is not out for just a single encounter with us, right? He's not, he's not the missionary who comes into town for three days, lays hands on your head, prays, you're saved, good, I'm out, right? Jesus is the opposite. Jesus comes into our lives. He says, he says look, let me, get you, let me help you get set straight. <laughs> let me help you take the next step. He moves in. <laughs> he comes over for dinner. And the most amazing thing is in the church, what we do is sort of the, the flip side of what actually happens in this story. Because Jesus comes over for dinner, and Zacchaeus' response, when he's there, he says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So Zacchaeus has an encounter with Jesus, and the very next thing he does is get convicted. He gets, he gets an encounter with Jesus. Jesus comes over for dinner. And all of a sudden, this rich, wealthy person is saying, I'm giving away half of everything I own. Every person I've cheated, which he's a tax collector, that's a long list. <laughs> Everyone I've cheated, I'm giving back four times what I cheated him. Why would he do that, right? Why would he do that? Other than that those moments he had with Jesus at his house changed something in him. Right? It changed something within him. It, it, that initial encounter with Jesus made him curious. But it was that like insane hospitality of Jesus that changes him. Where Jesus says, look, I know you're a tax collector. I'm still going to come eat at your house. I'm still going to invest my time. Right? You think about this. Jesus knows at this point his time is limited. And yet he chose to have dinner with Zacchaeus. And it was that moment, that experience of Jesus in his home. Can you imagine having Jesus over for dinner? Oh my goodness. It was that moment that made a difference for Zacchaeus. It was that moment where, G where Zacchaeus makes a turn, a change. And most of us, we don't make that next step in our faith, right? The, the, for too long, what we've been told is you pray the right prayer and you're in. Right? You just come up, somebody will lay hands on you and pray that you get saved, and you're good. But the thing is, the Gospels are pretty clear that that's only step one of many steps that we ought to take toward Jesus. And step two, once, once you said, okay, I'm interested, right? The come and see. All right, Jesus, I see that you can do this. What now? The what now is that we invite Jesus into our homes. We invite Jesus over for dinner. We invite him into our lives for good. For good. The reason that most of us don't is because when we read the scripture, especially in the gospels, we read the gospels, we read the book of Acts, and we see people who have invited Jesus into their lives. We see how, it, how their lives look, and we see what one pastor once told me was the worst curse word you could ever use in church. Change. We see change. We see people's lives absolutely rocked, right? We, their lives are completely transformed. And even though, even though we know that in the end their lives were better for it, it still makes us a little bit weary. We're a little nervous because we're like, I don't know if I want God to know about that part of my life, right? I don't know if I, I'm going I'm to tell myself a little bit here. 
I don't know if I want God to see that closet full of stuff that Nana sent me that I don't want to have to put out in my house. Right? And if we're being honest, each of us in our lives, we have that closet. Right? We have that door that we don't open. <laughs> because there's hurt back there. There's stuff in there that we don't want to have to deal with. There's, there's family drama. There's spiritual hurt. There's stuff we don't want to have to think about. And you know where Jesus is so good at finding that door on day one? It's like he walks into the house and goes, oh, what's that? And so we don't take the step because we're fearful. We're afraid that if we take that step, Jesus is going to take us somewhere we don't want to go. Somewhere we've tried to pretend doesn't exist. Zacchaeus, you guys know when Jesus talks about wealth, he talks about how hard it is for wealthy people to enter, enter heaven. And Zacchaeus, after one encounter with Jesus, is saying, look, I'm giving away half of everything I own. I'm getting rid of it. Why would he do that? Probably because Jesus, Jesus touched on the one thing that was most valuable to Zacchaeus, and it was his wealth. And so Zacchaeus made the decision in that moment that if I'm going to be a part of this and I'm going to follow Jesus, I've got to go all in. It can't just be that I invite Jesus into the entryway of my house. He's got to have the full, the full works, right? It's not a guest room anymore. Jesus is my roomie. <laughs> He's going to set up shop. This is the step that many of us don't make. And it's why our faith a lot of times comes down to, I pray on Thanksgiving and Christmas when our family gets together for meals. I attend church twice a month, three times a month. And that's it. That's all there is. But that next step, that next step, although it's scary because we know that Jesus is going to want to address stuff we don't want to address. He's going to take us on an adventure we don't necessarily want to go on right away. But the, the amazing part is, he gives us the option. He doesn't force us into it, right? I really wish, I really do. There are times in my life I really wish Jesus would operate more like a SWAT team and just come kick the door down in my life and be like, look, here's what we're going to do, right? But instead, what he does is he stands outside and he just knocks. Like, hey, whenever you're ready, we'll do this thing. Whenever you're ready. And so Zacchaeus takes up a literal, literal invitation of Jesus to have dinner with him. And it transforms his whole life. Now, we do get to see in this story what happens on the opposite side. Because you have all the people who are muttering, he's having dinner with a sinner. What is wrong with him? And I can tell you that if you don't take the step to say, all right, Jesus, this life, it's yours, you eventually grow to become one of those people. Because your appreciation for what Jesus does is so much smaller when you're not having a daily moment with Jesus, where you're not having that, that Jesus is constantly in my life and working stuff and moving and going forward. When you don't have that, you really lose your appreciation for Jesus quickly. Because your faith is just based on that one initial encounter and not more, right? We're going deeper, remember? And the next step deeper is to, is to be willing to say, Jesus, take it all. Take it all. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, how is that step two, <laughs> right? Jesus really doesn't ease us in, does he? It's not like, well, you give this, and then you give up this piece, and then you give up this piece, right? Jesus does the exact opposite. He says, all right, first you come and you see that I'm here. 
And then the second step is to respond. How do you respond? You have to jump in right up, foot first, right into the water. You just jump in. And that's the step that too many of us have never taken. We've never said, God, this is it. If, if this is for real, I'm all in. Move in, right? Move into my neighborhood. Do what you got to do. Touch those sore spots. <laughs> Heal those places where I didn't want to see again. Bring me through this. And the crazy part is, as much as it is difficult to do that off the bat, I can tell you as somebody who has done that, as somebody who has said, God, this is it, right? Because I can promise you this morning, I would not be standing up here if I had not done that. I would be somewhere else, far, far away, right? I'm up here today because I said, all right, God, whatever I've got is yours. You tell me where to go. God told me to go here, <laughs> so I'm here. So I can tell you, as somebody who is on the other side of it, as somebody who has taken the leap, I'll never go back. <laughs> I'll never go back. Because as scary as it is to take that step, there is nothing better than you. <laughs> right? We sang it this morning. When you take that leap, you realize, as much as it hurts at first to get through the junk and to, to clean the house, man, when the house is clean, whoo, how much better life gets, how much more freedom there is. My goodness, there is no going back once you've taken that step. And so I'm not just going to invite you into that step this morning and just say, good luck with it. <laughs> right? When I, when I am inviting you in this moment to take that leap, to say, all right, God, look, we've been, I've been playing around this and dancing around it for years. And it's time that I just jump in. Right? When I invite you into that this morning, as I'm doing in this moment, I'm not doing it to make you nervous. I'm doing it because your life, I know what both sides look like. And I can tell you which one I want to live in for the rest of my life. And so if you, if you have never taken that step, if you, most of you here have probably taken the first step where we say, all right, Jesus, I'm interested. We're going to see what this thing is about right? But if you have never taken that leap and said, all right, Jesus, have it all. Open up those closets, right? In our house, in our house, there's a bathroom upstairs that we don't open because we don't want to have to clean it, right? And so our children, our children have taken to calling this bathroom the bathroom we don't talk about. <laughs> the bathroom we don't talk about, right? So in this moment, I'm, I'm like, all right, Jesus, let's talk about it, <laughs> right? It's those places in our lives where we don't necessarily want to talk about, those places in our lives that we that desperately need healing, but we've been putting off forever, right? It, this, this morning, you have the opportunity to come to Jesus and say, look, I know you've been knocking at my life for a while, and I'm ready to answer the door. I know that what comes after this can be difficult. I know that it can be, that it's, it's going to hurt a little bit at first, but I also know that on the end, when it's healed, when I've gone through the stuff, it will be better. I will be better because I've invited Jesus in fully. So if you have never done that, if you have never invited Jesus to have free reign in your life, let me, let me give you two things. First of all, it's going to be awesome. Second of all, it's the scariest thing you'll ever do in your life. <laughs> because Jesus will do stuff that you don't expect. But holy cow, I would never go back. I would never go back.
So if you've never taken the leap this morning, let me take it with you. I'm going to pray. Come up during the next song. Let me pray with you. And we will devote our lives to Jesus together. Say, Jesus, take it all. Take it all. Let me pray. God, we've come to this place to seek an encounter with you. And we believe that when we encounter you, you call us deeper. You call us to more. Just like Zacchaeus was not just called to climb a tree and see you, God. He was called to have dinner with you, to have his life challenged and pushed and transformed. And so, God, we know that you want the same for us. You want our lives to be challenged and pushed and transformed. But it's a little scary for us because there's no other place in the world that asks us to do that. Everywhere else we go tells us to just stay as we are, that we're perfectly fine the way we are. And yet Jesus says, come and let me show you that there's better. So God, if we're honest, we're a little nervous this morning. But we also know that life on the other side is so sweet. We've heard the stories. We know what you can do in a life when you are given free reign. And so it's that that we seek this morning, Lord. We want you to come into our lives and have free reign. We give all of ourselves to you. We devote our lives, our resources, our hearts, our minds, God. We devote all of it to you. So come in, God. We're asking you, Jesus, to come in to our lives today and have your way. Have your way and get rid of ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.